Hello and welcome to Solid Steps Radio. My name is Chad Russell. I'm the co-host, and that is Kurt Souter of Further Still Ministries. And we have been doing this little thing called Solid Steps Radio for about three years. And our goal when we started, we said, hey, we want to have a show for guys. Uh, directed towards men, everything is applicable probably to the women in their lives. But we want to talk to men as an audience, and we've always had different types of topics. We've talked theology, we've talked business, we've talked leadership, we've talked all kinds of things. But every now and then, we just need to have a real guy story. We, we, one of the things that we forgot, felt like God was telling us in the beginning is, I said, God, what do you want to do with this show? And he says, you tell the stories I'm writing in people's lives. That's fun. And today's story <laughs> is a story that we want to hear because uh, it involves uh, grizzly bears and hunts and Alaskan and typhoons and uh, planes and drunkenness and a lot of things. And we're going to talk about all of those things because it is a story that we heard in about two minutes and we said we need to hear that story unpacked on a whole show. So we're going to hear a story about the hunter being the hunted and not exactly what you might think. You know, Chad, when we did hear this story, you and I, we laughed so hard. And so, uh, John Jordan, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's an honor and privilege to be here today and fun. So, yeah, we are. We're going to have a blast, and we're yeah. going to hear what the, your story, and we're going to hear what God's part of, of him. Uh, just, you know, uh, somebody asked me a long time ago, uh, what is God up to? And God just about redeeming. He's about redeeming our lives. He about, he's about redeeming all of the messed up things going on in the world. Um, but let's start with your story uh, because he's, he's uh, redeeming you and has redeemed you. And, but you were going up to Alaska. Now, you've been a hunter for how long? Gosh, 1980, 81, I started deer hunting. Now, my father had a squirrel hunt when we were kids and fishing and Spent a lot of time outdoors. I mean, there were three of us. We were very high-strung and hyperactive kids, and the woods were good for us. I don't know how good we were for nature, but we were having a ball out there. It was that or a subdivision, so the woods were easier to terrorize. Oh, so, the, so you're, out, outside. you're out in the woods, you're, and, and so you're going up to Alaska. How many times have you been well, to Alaska? P- prior to that, we started hunting in 81, uh, mule deer hunting out in Wyoming. Oh, okay. Uh, we started going out there, uh, big mountains, uh, the, the adventure, the dream of a young man to go out west. And we started there and got accustomed to that type of hunting, elk and mule deer, et cetera, and antelope, doing our own guiding and even developed to the pack of, you know, about our own uh, equipment, tent, stoves, and, and just running with it. And then after about uh, so many years of that, and uh, well, we were looking for something more of a challenge. And, when, and so the, the Wild West wasn't enough. We, we were junkies. on uh, Adrenaline's always been a big part of my personality. And uh, my brain makes endorphins not fast enough. And so we had to go to the next level, and that was Alaska. Alaska has a lot less people, a lot more frontier and unexplored areas. So, so your, does. Your, your first trip to Alaska was how long ago? The first trip to Alaska, 15... Oh, Lord, 18 years ago, fishing. Okay. Up to Juneau and took a small plane out of Juneau. We were doing salmon fishing and halibut fishing. And the first time I realized Alaska is, in my mind, 
the last roughest place for me to go to. It's like, yes, it's absolutely fantastic. It's God's creation at its utmost. It's, We've not had a chance to destroy that yet because it gets a little cold in the winter. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, so then then you, you moved from fishing and all that. So you started hunting up in Alaska. Started hunting. Uh, first time we went up there hunting was caribou out of a place called Iliamna. And we went without a guide, went with a friend of ours that uh, had hunted there before, knew the lay of the land, and kind of helped us prepare for caribou hunting. And there were bears in the area there as well, and a little bit of fishing. But we were out on our own. Okay, so you're out there, and and there's bears. These are not little – I mean, there's black bear up there, but there's also big bear. They have a variety of bears. They have small black bear, inland grizzly, and brown bear. And the brown bear and the grizzly are basically the same species, but they are – coastal bears are big, and they eat a lot of salmon. And the inner – uh, grizzlies aren't that big, but a lot more aggressive because they don't have salmon. Okay, so and um, tell our listeners um, when you say a bear, how big is uh, you know a, like a world class bear? Well, I can't speak for world class. Well, well you know, but what I've been exposed to is twelve to thirteen hundred pound bears that can go nine foot from their nose to their tail, standing up erect. They're looking at twelve and a half, thirteen foot bear. That's bigger than a basketball goal. I can't comprehend an animal that big. It is a pretty um, challenging experience, <laughs> to say the least. You know what I mean, you bring a whole lot of clothes. Well, you don't bring. You can't bring a lot of heavy gear, but you do bring several pair of shorts for your encounter. Yes, <laughs> I believe it. So and and so yeah, Duluth yeah. is a good piece of a brand name to remember. <laughs> So okay, you're, you know, you you've been up there. You 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 have you been moose hunting up there? Tim? Well, a, a really uh, interesting hunt, and a gentleman. I'm sure a lot of you guys know Tim Grainer moose hunts up there a lot, and he yeah. turned us on to a guy to Fairbanks, and my two younger brothers and a good friend of ours. We went up there, and basically, uh, they connected us with a float plane, rented us rafts, gave us some maps, some GPS pointings, and we were about 400 miles north into the Arctic Circle, floating a glacier river. For over a hundred miles without you know, a guide, you're you're a little crazy. Well, I've been diagnosed with that, and along with ADD. So you put them together. What the heck is a river in Alaska? You put the fun and dysfunctional. <laughs> yeah, some if you're gonna be like this, maximize it. <laughs> <laughs> so okay, so yeah. you've been up there. Uh, we, I think you said uh, nine times. Yeah, nine to ten times. We fish up there on a regular yearly basis out of uh, Craig, Alaska, which is close to Ketchikan. But one of the, two of the most interesting trips were when we floated a river by ourselves, moose and caribou hunting. We're exposed to Arctic wolves and grizzly encounter. And basically, you had a five gallon bucket with uh, a skillet, some seasonings, and some freeze dried food for about two or three days. And the rest of it, you are dependent on living off the land. Because, and, yeah, because the people in Alaska, they do literally live off the land. Uh, quite a few do. I mean, many, many, many folks yeah. up there. And, and the biggest reason, when you're going to a very, very remote area on a very, very small plane, you're allowed 75 pounds per man. That includes your raft, your gun, and your food for weight in the plane to get you to that far distance. So you're looking at the clothes you're wearing, a change of clothes, and limited resources that you can carry in that nature will provide for to compensate for the weight restriction on a float plane. And you're on a float, and you're floating, and you're going down a river, and there's not the Coast Guard inside Interior, Alaska. So it's up to you and your buddies to figure out how to take it serious when you're floating a, a glacier river, and you're 
encountering nature and animals that have never seen humans before. And it's very interesting when you see a moose or a large beaver come up and look at you with the same, like, who are you and why do you smell so different? <laughs> yeah. So, okay, so now, so you, now you're, you're going up to, uh, this, this is your second bear hunt. Now, after the float trip, then we decided to start chasing, you know, grizzly. After the encounter, we That's, thought it might be nice to harvest one because they're looking at us pretty serious. <laughs> And so we decided to, a friend of mine out of Chattanooga, Tennessee, we found a guide off the Alaska Peninsula by a place called Port Hyden, which is about 50 people. But it's prime bear territory by Kodiak. is an island south on the other side of Peninsula. But uh, that's supposed to be, we researched the largest and best chance of a, a trophy brown bear, huge grizzly. Okay, so, uh, and you you went there the first time. That was several years ago. Yeah, several years ago, went there the first time for about 21, 22 days in a small tent out in the swamp in the terrain where they live, out in their habitat. And you didn't get one? No, my friend got one. I had uh, some opportunity, but the, the weather, con- it, I did not get one. Okay. Hunters love to make excuses why I was not the reason. <laughs> you know, it's everybody's fault but mine. Yeah, of course. That's a, that's hunters. That's all. Of- so, yeah. okay, so then, um, so last year. Now, my buddy did get a trophy he got close to a 10-foot bear again that's from nose to tail and the encounter on that was pretty special because after you make your first shot second shot they start looking for what is agitating their day (laughs) and they do they will come at you so okay so then uh, a year ago you go up there Mm -hmm. and you're going for your second bear hunt my second bear hunt with my brother yep and as you go up there um you you are you're you're in anchorage and you are you're you're there for a couple days kind of uh and you started, you, you, as you're waiting to go out, looking at the weather and all that, you begin to do what? Well, we're anticipating the hunt. You get to Anchorage first for a couple of days or Fairbanks where we're flying into for weather to break to see what's going on. And while I'm waiting for a couple of days of downtime to let weather break to get to, uh, we'll say, the base camp, which is a small trailer, uh, there's a lot of opportunity for Alaskan ale and food. And you start uh, to, uh, before you go out there, you, you start to drink pretty heavily. Well, yeah, because for some strange reason, they don't allow bourbon, high hard rifles, and grizzly bears and functioning alcoholics in the same campfire. Which is kind of a interesting mix for depending on which side of that gun you're on. So okay, yeah, so, yeah. so everybody's they, scared when that they, happens yeah. the wrong well, way. Guns, bourbon, and bear don't make big bear don't make a good combination. And throw in some J Town, and there you go. <laughs> <laughs> so okay, so you're uh, you're out there. You're re- now you're ready to come into the hunt, and you the hunter. Well, as we were in Alaska for a while, I did consume quite a bit of uh, liquor and anticipating the fact that we're not going to be able to drink as the hunt progresses. And as we travel into base camp, we're there for a day or two, and then the story starts to unfold. So we're going to take a break and come back, and we need about 10 shows to tell the story and and a little bit of of what John's talking about. But we're going to take a break, and in the next segment, we're going to hear about a gentleman who he just said he started to drink because the truth of the matter is John doesn't admit at that time, but he's an alcoholic. And he's a functioning, successful alcoholic, but an alcoholic nonetheless. And when you're out hunting grizzly bears, that's an incredible time to realize that. And we're going to hear in the next story, in the next segment, how as he's out on the hunt, the next time you hear God is speaking and he is hunting the hunted. 
Uh, and we're going to hear more about that story when we come back on Solid Steps Radio. Welcome back to our second segment of Solid Steps Radio. We are talking grizzly bear hunts, and that is about as manly as you can get. Uh, not for me, but for the people who went on it. And uh, we want to thank you for listening. we got uh, some sponsors we want to thank as well. We want to thank Ellen Credit Union. They are a local lender. They've been in this community for years, and they are more concerned about money uh, more than just money, they're more concerned about the people behind the money. So they want to help you in all your financial needs. And also Vision First Eye Care. Uh, you can't throw a rock without hitting a Vision First Center somewhere in your neighborhood. If you're listening to my voice, Vision First, they take care of the people as well as the eyes. So we want to thank those guys for sponsoring the show. We also want to plug out there on September the 25th, we are having a listener appreciation event. It is free, 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 meaning you get to come. We're going to feed you for free. We're going to tape a live, not a live show, but we're going to tape a show to air at another date. Uh, Dan Webster's coming in from, from up north to talk about leadership, and it is free, and it is on September the 25th. 6 p.m. at the Gein Center in Beckley Creek Park. And if you want more information on that to RSVP, you go to our Facebook page and you can do that. So, okay, so John, you, you're, you're, you're up in Alaska, you're ready to go hunting, you started drinking, you, you, you drank too much, but you're now you're out in the, you're out in the, in the hunt. Well, the first thing you do, you go to this base camp in a small little trailer. You end up there after a day of flying from Anchorage, smaller, smaller plane in this thing. So you're in this small trailer, and you're waiting for the weather, and everybody's anticipating what's going to happen, okay? So you're like, there's, there's my brother and myself and four other guys that are going to different spike camps. So you go to the main camp, you eat, take shower, and you're waiting for the weather to go out one person at a time on this small float plane. The anticipation's crazy. And my, is my spot going to be as are, good are as you that n- guy's Are spot? you nervous at all? Well, yeah, you're nervous. You know, you're nervous. You're like, okay, my, do I get to go first, which is a privilege? And then you start thinking, okay, the guy's going to take me to the little spike camp first, land in a slate, drop me off, and then have to go back and get my brother. And, 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 and now the, I'm by myself with all these big grizzly bears <laughs> and only three bullets, and I got to shakes. So maybe I don't want to go first, but I want to go first. And what kind of bears are going to be there? And what if the plane breaks and I got to spend the night by myself? Okay, <laughs> I got a nightlight at home. All right, <laughs> I don't want to be out here. <laughs> and there's no firewood because you're in a big swamp. Okay, and you can't run. They can run 35 miles an hour. So you have the anticipation of the excitement of the hunt and then the fear. So it's all going crazy. Uh, and right? your yeah, your mind's going. You're absolutely. just off the chain. And then you try to get a sixty a fit, at that time fifty nine year old overweight man in a plane that's about the size of a toilet paper roll. So that's a whole other journey. Mm. Okay. So you're getting in this thing, you take off. I was drawn first, so I go out and he lands. I get out and there's two small tents, right? And I'm sitting on the tallest little knob I could find. He goes, I'll be back. Maybe, and it's only like maybe. 30 minutes, but it's like, to me, a day. Yeah. Right? And and you're scared. And I'm starting to, at that particular fine time, that would be the time to start to drink a couple beers. That would be the time to take the edge off, to get ready for the hunt, to prepare myself to be at one with nature. Right? I've worked hard for this moment. I've saved up my life, you know, to, to, to do this hunt twice. And now it would be great to have a six-pack of cold beer outside man time to chill me down but in alaska they don't allow that no again somebody came up with this idea that you can't drink and that, that, that rifles and, and bear and bourbon don't mix no we were sure that somebody's wife implemented that rule before we showed up just to be mean <laughs> to us 
Because a man wouldn't think of that. Okay, so now you an bro- alcoholic would. So now your your partner comes in. He he, he he and and so now how, you're, how long are you by yourself? You think uh, about two hours? Two hours in the yeah. middle of the, all this by yourself? Yeah, and, and all the other times we floated to wherever been in Alaska, it's always been two to three of us together all the time. Mm. The camaraderie of another person in a very isolated wilderness area is is amazing. Right, and when you're by yourself. Even if you like to be by yourself in an environment that different with, with the opportunity for nature to have its way with you is, is, is a little concerning. Okay, so now you're ready. You're, you're with your brother. You're ready. You're ready to go hunting. Yes, we get in. He gets in. We're in this little bitty tent. We're excited. You know, we're getting ready to go hunting. And the guy's telling us what to brief for. But he doesn't tell you a lot. You know, a lot of it is, you, you know, I ask a lot of questions. But there's, he's like, okay, yeah, we're hunting tomorrow. <laughs> you know, uh, how are we going to hunt? You know, uh, we're going to get in a boat and go up this swamp and walk around, you know, and so the anticipation of just can't wait. And uh, what that's, does start to happen after day two of us spotting huge bears, uh, trying to get in proximity of where they're going to cross over and they're chasing salmon and and trying to stay away from sows and cubs, especially you don't want to harvest a sow. Uh, and also they're the most aggressive on the, the whole family up there because of the protection of the cubs. But uh, as day two goes by and there's no alcohol involved, I'm starting to feel physical side effects and basically detoxing uh, day two into this lifetime hunt, once in a lifetime hunt. And so now because you're detoxing, uh, you have an opportunity to get a bear. Yes, we're there and it just happens so fast and and you're coming up on this little no, uh, the guide spots a bear, the adrenaline, I can't stay focused. Uh, my brother's with me, the guide's there, and everything just happens so quick. And you come up over, and there is a trophy huge bear. Um, it, it, this guy had to be over 10 foot, and that's, again, nose to tail, and uh, start to shoot at the bear and cannot hit the bear. The bear's 250 yards out, and dirt's mud's flying 50 yards out. And as one rifle is unloaded... The bear is starting to become, I uh, uh, go back now, it's almost comical, amused. And the second rifle is discharged, and the bear's still now turning and looking at us. And they're asking for my rifle, and I shoulder my rifle, and I forgot to bring bullets. <laughs> now, maybe it'd be good to have a drink there. I'm not sure. Oh, man. So you're on the hunt of a lifetime. with and you a, forgot sh- the bullets? Yeah. I was so concerned about getting, I don't know what, together. And so anxiety and depression and the lack of medication from the drug alcohol mm. and me sitting there feeling scared and insecure. And I've been coming here. This was my hunt for me. To get and, my predator apex largest animal, yeah, and you, and you totally blow it. John, blow it. totally. Barney Fife had one bullet. You didn't yeah. any. I, I, and I, the only thing I did have by the grace of God was an extra pair of shorts. <laughs> okay, that was it. Okay, so so now let's fast forward because you missed that bear. You missed the opportunity. You blew it. But yeah, fast forward. We as a group for, blew it for and, four. So four days. Four days later. Four to five days later, you know, you're going back and you know what's going on in your head. You know, like, look, man, you know, you, you, you keep dodging the bullet of alcoholism. You think that you've got it handled. And now this hunt of a lifetime and you're in bear country and you can't perform even that task. 
okay? So you beat yourself up, you become depressed and anxiety, and by the grace of God, four or five days go by, and, and the detox lessons uh, were hiking, physically very active, very hard hunt, and water sometimes up to your knees, slugging through a swamp with a backpack. So it, it, it does, it, my health is starting to restore for the condition I was in relatively fast. Hmm. And so it's, it is amazing how the enemy can tempt us with alcohol, addiction, and all that, and yet, um, once you once you start drinking, and then he just beats you up. You know? Well, it, it replaces everything that you start your day with as a priority. Your relationship with your family, your relationship, and most of all, connecting and listening to God and what He's done and laid out for us, and what He expects just to happen that day. Oh, okay, man. and and now here I am on a bear hunt, something I've dreamed of my whole life, and the chances are up to me. And 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 my whole concern now is, I wish I had a drink so I could perform. And it's insanity. It's insanity. That I mean, is insanity. It is. It's insane. And and where addiction takes a person, especially a Christian, I want to say a Christian that 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 journeys into alcoholism. A lot of people find Christ in sobriety. I become a Christian at thirty five years of age, thirty four, discover the real relationship that my wife exposed me to. The real relationship that Jesus offers and the journey that I had enjoyed so much. And over a period of time, it's like there's a light switch in this huge lit room. And every once in a while, Satan and myself turn that addiction switch down one notch. So, okay, so. Um, to where I am in Alaska, detoxing in a swamp full of bears. If that's not ironic. It's all, it's there's humor in some of this. It's so crazy. It, it is really humorous, and yet right. God's getting your attention. Oh yeah, and so and, but He gives you another opportunity to uh, day six. I'm sitting there, and we get up early. The mind's right. The sun is perfect. I mean, it's just one of those days. As I'm still a Christian. But today I'm a sober Christian, and I'm really getting in tune to God's creation. And we walk and slug around and look up, and the guy grabs me and sits me down and goes. 300 yards out, big boar, big boar. And I'm like, heart is racing. This is what I was there for. I am excited, all right? I don't know why I had waders on because that was sweating inside and out. And I'm up there, and I, I showed him my gun, and this guy is just a very good heart. And his journey with Christ is as amazing as a God. But anyway, as I'm up there, and I'm so excited. He whispers in my ear, one of the few times I've allowed a man to whisper my, in my ear, you know, unknowingly too. And, uh, but he whispered nice and he said, you might want to take your lens covers off because you're going to actually see this bear that's coming at us. Okay. So I take the lens covers off and, and my mouth still gets dry thinking about it. And I'm up there looking and my brother is sitting there or not standing there. And I, I'm just focused on this bear and looking through the scope that I wish it was a lot bigger and uh, the scope. And I'm trying to pull the trigger, and it's a 300 Ultra Wind Mag, and it's a nice rifle. It only holds three rounds. And I'm trying to pull, and I'm, I've usually been pretty successful, you know, hunting, or I wouldn't keep doing it for this long. And uh, I, I just started pulling the gun, and nothing was happening. And, and again, he whispers in my ear. Second time. Second time I let a man whisper in my ear. And he's like, uh, you might want to put a round in the chamber. <laughs> and this is the last time I'm going to talk nice to you in your ear. <laughs> because the yeah. bear is getting the closer. The bear is getting really close. Because the bear is getting close. Yes. All right, I hate to take a break, but we have to take a break. <laughs> we're going to come back, and we're going to come back, and we pick up on the next segment. John has got a bullet in the chamber at this point, and he's got his eye through the rifle and a grizzly bear 
in his sights. What happens from then on out? We're going to talk more about that on the next segment on Solid Steps Radio. Welcome back to our third segment today of Solid Steps Radio. Chad Russell here with Kurt Souter. We're talking to John Jordan today about a grizzly hunt. And if you missed the first two segments, you missed a lot. You need to go to our Facebook page and you need to hear the entire story up to this point. He's got a his eye and a scope, his gun pointed at a grizzly, and we're going to hear about what happens. But we want to, uh, if you have some issues in your eye on your septic tank and it ain't working right, you need to go to Frank Enterprises. Those guys can take care of your septic system as they need. Uh, you need to make sure that's taken care of. And any kind of water that's not flowing like it's supposed to outside, they're the guys to talk to frank enterprises they are a sponsor of our show and also bright star home care Uh, they help people in your world that need care whether they need just a day a week to do laundry or they need somebody who needs full-blown alzheimer's or any type of care that just need non-stop help bright star home care no matter where you are on that spectrum they can help point you in the right direction Uh, and again we want to remind you listeners we have a listener appreciation event september 25th 6 p.m at the gein center we're going to have a free meal it's a free night we just want to thank you for listening and if you want more information on that go to our facebook page and you'll have the information there to be able to rsvp so okay so john you 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 got the bear in sight you're out you've already blown it with one opportunity, but now he's the, the guide has told you to take the, the lens cap off your scope. He's told you to chamber the bullet, and and uh, now what? By the grace of God, I compose myself. I'm looking through the scope. It, it, it couldn't have been any more aligned. Uh, squeeze off the first shot, and you're going for the shoulder. You can't get into like a deer hunt to a heart lung shot because these bears are so massive and they're not gonna show you the front. So you go into the shoulder, right behind the shoulder. First shot and the guy's just saying, great shot. They're one to confirm that you know that your shot is a kill shot. The the uh, the alcohol is now completely gone. Well, it, for, the com- most part. for the most part, I'm functioning pretty darn good. I mean, I'm, I'm you know, it, that's a whole other segment on total detox, but oh, okay. we'll just stay on the hunt. But, yeah, I'm functioning pretty darn good enough to enjoy the moment, to have the thrill of it, to absorb it, to uh, understand how all this works. The second shot was a good shot. The first shot, the bear will make a large, loud, I'm going to say roar is what it sounds like to me, and the guy told me this would happen. Uh, the second shot on the bear with a 300 Ultra Wind Mag, 200 grain, uh, gets his attention to start looking for where the pain's coming from. And then the show starts, uh, for lack of a better word. Uh, I didn't think I could run fast, and I knew I could outrun my brother. But anyway, I throw three shots into this bear, and then it's already pre-arranged. Once we do three, we know the bear's done, but the bear is very agitated. It's on adrenaline, and it's a large predatory animal. It's starting to look for where a place it can lay down and hide in thicker brush or come after its attacker. And then my brother discharges his gun. So we counted about eight shots of that size before he finally went down. And uh, it wasn't a slow, it was just what it takes for that size animal to, to, to die. And he's surviving and you're his problem. So that gets adrenaline hacked up pretty good. Because if you do get a bear in an area when it's down, the guy's got to go in and get it, then he's got to go lure the bear, the wounded bear, out of an area of cover so he can finish the job. You don't want to go there. So anyway, we got the bear. We skinned the bear, pack it all back to camp. 
a small little camp next to a lake. He goes, John, this is a big hide. We're going to take this hide. I'm going to roll it up, put it in the float plane, and then I'm going to pick up another guy to spike camp 20 miles away, get him and his hide back to the main camp. You and your brother stay here. I'll be back this evening. Well, the weather up there is very unpredictable, and um, about late that afternoon, uh, uh, tail end of a typhoon blows across the peninsula. During that time— uh, And the wind, wind's going how much? How, how, uh, how? The, those float planes can't go over 30 to 40, 35 miles an hour. They cannot operate. The, yeah, and, the, and, the, and, and the winds The winds blowing. got up to us 75 miles an hour, sustained for two and a half days. We were there. The guide couldn't come back to us. So we're in the tent. And by the grace of God, we've been up there before by ourselves. That wasn't an issue. It wasn't for me. Now, I talk a lot, so it probably gave my brother a, uh, some kind of <laughs> mental disorder. But uh, we're up there playing cards. And by the way, there was just a little bit of leftover bourbon that I snuck in to have a celebratory drink for the bear. You, you know, mean you get, you get this trophy bear and you got to celebrate? You got to celebrate. Because, you know, it was always about hunting. And as years gone by, now I think drinking's starting to become more of a priority, even on a hunt like this. The bear's out of camp. We got a big bear. I deserve a celebratory chill out man drink here with my bear. And we sat there for a day or two. The pilot contacted us on a sack phone, couldn't get to us, hunkered down. You're stuck in a tent. These tents are made for 125 mile an hour sustained winds. So you're out of water. You're drinking rainwater off the fly of the tent and uh, some freeze-dried food, playing a lot of cards. And I look in my backpack, and there is the Bible, a small Bible that I'd put in. Because you always take that emergency Bible just in case, right? <laughs> just in, just ca- in, in case. Just in case. Emergency break glass and, and Bible. Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's that Bible just in case the bear killed me first. I don't know. Or uh, We're out of beer now, so we might as well read the Bible. Okay? We're low on any other forms of entertainment that I can think of, so I guess we'll read that emergency Bible that we bought. And by the grace of God, I go to Romans and uh, start reading Romans. And you guys are familiar with Romans and suffering and what's going on. And, and now we're getting day six and seven without drinking. We're enjoying the camaraderie of each other without drinking. We're starting to get a sense of what drew us to God's creation in the beginning before the drinking became a part of my life more than it should be. And then my brother also pulls out uh, his backpack notes from BSF Bible Study Fellowship. And I'm reading in here on uh, suffering is a Christian's privilege. And I'm starting to read suffering is an opportunity. Hmm. I don't understand that. Hmm. But God's got me where he wants me, and I didn't even understand that. I got my bear. I came all the way up there for myself, and now we're stuck in a tent with nothing to do and, and so to now, read God's Word. Yeah, and so what, really what's going on? And, what's, and what is happening, God is starting. And, and, and for the past year, I've been asking God, why? I'm a Christian. I love you. I'm involved in all these activities. You know, I've been successful to the world's, to, to, to world's standard, and, and I'm writing these checks. But how come you can't fix me and I can't drink like a normal person? Well, you got to work on that because I'm really wanting you to fix this. And, I, and, and right in front of me, God's going, okay, evidently you're, you're dyslexic. Also, my spirit telling you what to do. So we're out here going on three weeks, and every morning I'm praying. I'm waiting for God to change me. I'm waiting for God to fix me. I'm waiting for God to meet me on my terms. You, you are really the master in control. I'm in control of everything. Yes. And you see how good I do. You know, and I didn't realize that. I, I didn't. I didn't realize that when Paul and through Romans and through Corinthians, how you know God's telling Paul, "My grace sufficient. My grace is sufficient." 
You know, what happens when Christians suffer? What happens when we realize when we want to run the show? It's been evident since the beginning of time when we kick God out of the garden. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, and 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 it's and 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 we want to do this, and God's supposed to glorify me for my pleasure, and and through my journey with alcohol, that's how confused I got. Yeah. So so now, now John, so. Tell our listeners so while while you're waiting on the plane, you've already killed your bear. We've killed the bear. We're 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 now we're heading back to camp. The guy God is getting God is getting your attention. He's getting my attention. And then it's slow, but he's getting my attention. I'm like, okay, I've been here three weeks, and we we go back to the main camp that he picks us up. Got to leave our gear and stuff in camp. We we are quote rescued basically to get back to camp while the rest of the storm blows out. There's an eye of the storm. My whole focus is I've got my bear. I've read my Bible. They've got to have a bottle of whiskey in that camp. You, you got to celebrate again. Got to celebrate, and I know there's another hunter that's left a half bottle full somewhere for the next time. And when I find that these people, they don't know there's no drinking even back in the main camp. So after the shower and the food, okay, I'm restless. Let's get back out and start chasing bears again once the storm blows through. And the reason we stay another several weeks or 12, 13 days, my brother gets his bear. And and it was another interesting story for another time. And uh, but, but, but his so he, bear's he, actually fishing and has a salmon in its mouth. So we got a salmon and a bear. <laughs> He went fishing and hunting in yeah. one shot. Right? We are in God's buffet right there. Oh my goodness. You know, waiting for a bird to fly out or something. It's it's un, it's unbelievable. So we, my, I'm there to watch and and another two weeks. Now we're going on three weeks with any uh, you know with no, with no alcohol and enjoying and packing and hiking and exercising and harvesting God's bounty on a challenging man once in a lifetime hunt. Okay, so now tell our listeners, you're fast forward, you, you, you've celebrated, now you haven't had any alcohol for how many days, but now you, yeah. you, you, you gotta jump on the plane and you're gonna be, you're, you're on your way back to Louisville. Yeah, we, we ended up uh, getting back to the base camp. Weather's coming in. There's a plane that comes by. You got to get on it now. You got to take off. And it was five hours of stopping of every puddle jumper. In fact, the, the plane did run off, uh, slid off the runway in, on our way back to Anchorage. And we had to actually dig and help pull the plane out ourselves. <laughs> Okay, so it's a pretty exciting place. I mean, yeah, yeah, it's dude, man Disneyland. This, this is a trip of a lifetime. Yeah, and oh. and we can't wait to get to Anchorage to have dinner and some fine wine. Okay, and because I know now I've been three weeks sober and I've read the emergency Bible and I've and I've read some of this BSF stuff and I've look what Paul went through. Well, God didn't remove his thorn, so we'll just deal with it. And because, uh, you know, he didn't, yeah, that'll be good for me. My thorn's not going to get removed. So we'll just throttle this back for the hundredth time. Okay. I'm still in control. I'm still in control. Three and a half years ago, I quit drinking for a period of time. I put myself in time out and realized certain types of alcohol didn't work for me. So now that I've gone through this stretch, I am pretty sure that the goals I've set in my life and God's allowed me to achieve, that uh, alcohol will not tell me what to do. I, I've, I've really got communication straight, and I am in charge of my brain. My brain's not going to tell me what to do, okay? That's how confusing this is. Wow. So we're going to take a break, come back, final break. Uh, I don't want to take any, but we have to. John doesn't take breaks. He just keeps talking during the break. But, <laughs> but we got to take one. And uh, so we're going to take a break, come back, and here. Uh, now John's got the unfortunate. He's having to fly from Man Disneyland in Alaska back to reality. And he's got reality waiting for him. And uh, we're going to hear about what happens when he comes back to meet his family and what they have to say about all this. So we're going to take a break. We'll be back shortly on Solid Steps Radio. 
Welcome back. Solid Steps Radio, fourth and final segment today. We're here with John Jordan, grizzly bear hunter extraordinaire, and we are talking about his amazing journey of how he was hunting, but how God was hunting him at the same time. And uh, if you want to hear all that, go to Facebook, SoundCloud, or iTunes. Type in Solid Steps Radio, and you can hear all of our shows in their entirety. Thanks to our great sponsors uh, like uh, Dan Hart Financial. Dan Hart is a financial uh, service that helps you take your money that God has provided for you and to be able to resource that in a way that you want to give Him glory, to be wise with your finances. So Dan Hart can sit down with you, look at your portfolio, and help point you in the right direction. Also, again, we want to thank... Ellen and Credit Union, a local lender who's also been a great sponsor of our show. And we also want to thank and uh, keep in mind that uh, Beside You for Life, uh, they are a sponsor for our show this time around, October the 2nd, 6 p.m. at the New Omni Hotel. They're having their annual uh, Beside You for Life annual gala. Beside You for Life used to be a woman's choice in the Coast Place, those two coming together as one. And if you want more information, you can uh, call 589-9400. That's 589-9400. Say that one more time. 589-9400 if you <laughs> want to go, go to that gala. Okay. So I talk a lot. Oh my I sound like John, right? <laughs> yeah. Man, okay, so John, you, you, you got your bears. You start to celebrate, and you you got the dinner, and now you, you, you kicked in the wine again, and now you're, you're on the plane coming back to louisville you're sitting in first class mm-hmm. and there's more alcohol available yeah so you know this short-lived thought that uh i was in control and could control this addiction which any recovering addict knows you cannot by yourself that's why it's a disease so anyway i get on a plane and we're flying home and feeling pretty good uh pre-buzzed and you know got fly a lot with delta got bumped up in the first and it's just pretty much non-stop drinking all the way from uh Anchorage, the journey through Atlanta back in Louisville. Get back home, it's all night flight, 12 in the afternoon, the wife and the grandkids and the children and son-in-laws are down in Florida waiting for me to show up down there. Stop in Louisville real quick. On the way home, we stop at the Walgreens, a taxi driver and myself get a bottle of wine, go home so I could decompress from the long flight and do laundry and uh, basically just calm down uh, because of the addiction and the repetitive uh, what happens when you uh, start the detox and not continually uh, feeding a progressive disease. Uh, then the wake up the next day, catch early flight, same circus going on, get down to Florida. Here's the blessings that God bestows upon me, especially, and this is not to beat anybody up, but when you look at the position that he's allowed me to be in, the gifts he's blessed me with, with five grandkids and two beautiful daughters and an awesome wife that God's used to woo me to him. And I'm sitting there so ashamed. The anxiety is off the chart. And, I've and, never and, had and, depression. And, and your wife, she's disappointed. She's not so much disappointed as she's hurt and confused. Mm. And this takes a toll on your spouse as well. That's why they have Al-Anon. And what you don't realize, it's like PTS for them. You know, they're, they're, well, he's not that bad or the things she's exposed to. It, it's, you know, to say she's disappointed, what, what gets you is you just feel everybody's disappointed. You're disappointed in yourself. How can I really be a child of God? Was I really baptized long enough? Did I really accept Christ the first time? How can this happen to me? Mm. And then with the anxiety and the depression and not knowing where to go, you go to the room and drink a half bottle of wine and take a bottle of water down to the beach and go to sleep on the beach and can't play with your kids. 
I mean, you don't have to be screaming, hollering, raving, tearing up the house and fighting. Go, yeah. I never went to bars. I didn't even go golf or go to places. I stayed at home. I wasn't out on the golf course drinking beer. I didn't go throw darts at the local pub. I didn't go play poker with my guys. I traveled for a living. Okay? I worked myself hard, and I played hard. And then when the vacation's over and, 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 and people that have dealt with addiction or people that you know, you know, it's yourself. You've lost yourself in this process. And then uh, later on, the girls, when they go to leave, and I knew what had happened. I wasn't myself. I couldn't find myself. My girls texted me and went, we love you. We'll support you. We'll do anything for you. And my wife and two girls were like, you know, we, we've lost you. And until you make— Dad, Dad where, where are where you? Where are you? Where, where have you gone? And, and, and it made me look in the mirror like, where, who, where, who am I? What happened with the light switch that just slowly got dark? The great things that God allowed me to achieve and do with his doing, it's all gone. It doesn't matter because this alcohol has taken over my life, slowly, physically, and mentally destroying me and who I am. And so you come home from this vacation. I, I come home from this vacation and still... The, the delay, the not facing the truth. I just, I hated last year drinking. I hated myself. I hated alcohol. I hated everything about it. But you couldn't I couldn't do it. We go deer hunting, open day, open weekend of deer hunting. I'm out there drinking, hiding in the woods. You know, you really become, you become depressed to the point of suicide. I never, people that know me and myself, that has never entered my mind depression of, I don't care, I'm not any good, and nor am I good for anybody. If you could see how God's blessed us, all right? Uh, Obviously, it didn't make me very attractive, but, uh, you know, we'll take that. But, you got a uh, face for radio. You know, I got a face for radio, baby. Keep shirt on when you go to the beach. <laughs> and, but, but you're like, and, and so I woke up on the morning of the 13th, about four in the morning, again, going through detox at home and, and, and to the point to where I was just sick of myself, sick of this. You will slowly become an any addict that's in recovery knows, no matter what your addiction is, no matter what you got going on, when enough is enough, and by grace of God, if you can live long enough, you will finally say, I've had enough of my problem solving and inability to fix this. And you made a phone call. And I made a phone call to the church, and I was very excitable, and I was like, I don't know where you send your other brothers in Christ that are alcoholics, and I know I'm not the only Christian drunk, to be honest with you. I'm about to come unhinged. Where do you go? What did you She goes, honey, I am just a receptionist. <laughs> she goes, I am sorry that we have to patch you into somebody that, no, I got a distant uncle, but you're not it. <laughs> so, uh, by the grace of God, uh, my wife is at uh, Bible study, and I uh, talked to one brother, and, and, and God really just made it what else do you want to how further do you need to take this how much more broken do you need to be how much more other people do you need to negatively affect and you need okay. and you did it, so i go into rehab and 30 day uh, rehab 30 day rehab and and i thought for sure i was going to get out for thanksgiving but on a side note i've tried to convince my wife i've always wanted to spend thanksgiving with a bunch of drunks well that came true i'm in rehab with 30 other alcoholics and that was pretty interesting thanksgiving but real quick this could go on and and i want men to understand you know christian men fall alcohol is not a standalone worse sin than any other addiction you have you know your addiction you know what's separating you from christ and when i was in there on day seven i had an experience and all of this me telling god what to do and waiting for him to respond to me 
God made it very clear to me. He goes, John, I love you. I made you. And we're not talking about your salvation, see? We, we squared a deal on that a long time ago, and you accepted that relationship and what my son and what I did through my son for you when you were 34. So quit bringing that up. See, it's a broken world. And I put a Bible in your pocket. I took you bear hunting to set you down and make you still. And I've told you about how broken people, how I'm seeing that. And see, here's the deal, John. For some reason, you got it all backward that the creator of mankind, the universe in the Milky Way, is supposed to be, how much more do you want me to serve you? I'll give you eternity, and you've accepted that. And now you want to make it about me fixing you for yourself? You're an alcoholic. You, it's he, a broken world. He, he wanted you to surrender to him. Oh, my Lord. And it, it kills me today. And he told me, he goes, you can do two things. Because see, the free will deal still going on with mankind. All right? You can keep on drinking. I love you. You're going to heaven. You're a good man when you're not drinking. And if you want to keep drinking, the time you have left is not going to be very productive for you and those you're destroying around you, mm. and especially yourself. And so you wrote some things down. Or you can own up. Accept the fact this is how you are in a broken world. Let people see me in your sobriety. Own it. Love on it. Find out what makes you unique and different in the way I created you to honor me and have you get out of the way and let me be seen in your recovery. Because it's really, John, I hate to break the news, it's about me from the beginning of your creation. It's not about you. It's not about you, And everything you've made about you turned your hunting trip almost into a disaster. And my last day in rehab, I was sitting there realizing that all mankind's addicted to sin. And going home, the 30 days went so fast, I've never journaled until this event took place. But this felt like a dream so surreal that this really happened to me. I really am an alcoholic. Where will the journey take me? This new way of thinking, the real John Jordan. I've always tried to find the real me for 59 years, and I found me, and it feels so good to know me, my God-given purpose, to be proud to discover I can hold my head high, be sober, and enjoy me, the life I have left, with respect and dignity, to be allowed to assist others to realize their fate is not without hope, it's not dark, it's not despair, and it doesn't have to be lonely, but totally the opposite, a life of hope, dreams, that can come true, and I thank God for making me me and loving me through myself. John, you, the hunter, were hunted by the Almighty, and he found you, and you found him, and you surrendered to him. I can't believe it, but our time is up. It's flown by. This story is fantastic, but thank you so much for coming in. Thanks for sharing your story. Thanks for sharing your heart, and thank you for surrendering to Jesus. Thank God. Mm. So we're going to take a, uh, a finish up here, and uh, usually we end with prayer, but the words that John just wrote or read were what he wrote as a sober man fixed on God, and that was our ending prayer. Uh, and mm. there is hope for you, and if you are listening right now and you're an addict, whether it's alcohol, drugs, pornography, whatever it is, you're not not a Christian, but you're just a Christian who's addicted to something. And God wants to heal you and restore you and redeem you. That's what he did at the cross, and that's what he's doing right now. So I pray that you will reach out to the right people. Make that phone call. John did, and he's a better man for it. So we want to thank you for listening to Solid Steps Radio. Take this and pass this along to any man would want to hear this story that God wrote. So we thank you for listening, and we thank you for praying for us and for helping us put the word out that men have a destiny, and that destiny is to walk solid in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening.